Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. As Isaiah is writing, Isaiah 53, he is writing for he is wounded for our transgressions and he is bruised for our iniquities and by and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed. Isaiah is writing that down and it's the Holy Spirit moving his hands. He doesn't even know who he's writing about. Isaiah is writing, who was wounded for our transgressions? Who was bruised for our iniquities? Whose stripes have we been healed? Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Bible has 3,536,489 letters? New King James Version. 773,693,000 words. 31,209 verses. Um, 1118 chapters, 66 books, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. I just learned this. The average word of the Bible contains fewer than five letters. Isn't that interesting? The average word in the Bible contains fewer than five letters. And we use all these big words in the church. And God does. We use words like uh, propitiation and pontificate. God doesn't use all that. God keeps it simple because he knows we can't take that much. Y'all say amen. Amen. The word Jehovah is recorded 6,855 times. The word Lord is recorded 1,853 times. The book of Esther contains 10 chapters. You will not find the word Lord or God in the entire book of Esther. The shortest verse in the New Testament is John eleven thirty five. It's two words. Anybody know? Jesus wept. The longest verse in the Bible is Esther 8, 9, and it contains 78 words. The longest word in the Bible is found in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 1, and it's someone's name. Really interesting. It sounds like Meher. Shala hashtag. <laughs> you can go look it up and see what you get out of it. That's what I'm a hashala hashtag. That's what you need to name your son, his middle name. What's your middle name? George. Maheshala hashtag. <laughs> what? Did you know the Bible is the first printed book? Did you know the Bible is the most translated book in the world? It's been translated into more languages and dialects than any other book ever printed. The Bible continues to be the best-selling book in the entire world. And maybe I can get a witness here. The Bible is the best book in the entire world. Can I get a witness there? 
And think about the historical aspect of the Bible, the historical accuracy of the Bible. The Gospel of Luke mentions Pontius Pilate, and for a long time the world thought that there was no evidence that he ever existed. And one day the amphitheater in Caesarea Philippi, if you go to Israel, Jerusalem with us, I'll take you to Caesarea Philippi to this very amphitheater. It was uncovered by an archaeologist, and they found a stone. And the stone read Pontius Pilotus Governor. And once again, the scholars crawled back into their holes and caused, and caused the Bible to be true. Somebody once said, every time a spade goes in the ground, it proves the word of God even more. Jesus said, look at verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth and he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now the spirit will guide you in all truth concerning the word. Did you hear me? The spirit guiding you to all truth concerning the word. It's not like he's going to guide you into all truth like physics. Say amen if you knew that. Or mathematics, all truth of history of some sort. No, all truth of the word of God concerning the word of God. All truth concerning doctrine and the person and the work of God. He will guide you into all truth. Now, saints, listen, turn your brains on. That implies, listen, that there is truth. Listen, read your Bible. He will guide you in all truth, not truths with an F, but truth. That implies that there is one truth. And according to Jesus, if you're a child of God and filled with the Spirit of God, you will know in your heart that there is one truth, the Word of God. Can somebody say amen? We have the Spirit. I'll wait while you clap. That's fine. We have the Spirit of truth dwelling in us. Colleges in America are teaching that there is no truth or that truth is relative. Can I get a witness? Truth is relative. relative. In other words, Truth is not always true. My question to them is, is that true? (laughs) Amen. People say, well, there's no absolute truth. Well, is that absolutely true? People say truth is relative. Well, is that absolutely true or is it relatively true? You see, we live in a culture where we want to establish our own truth. There are things that are relative and there are things that are absolute. And it is absolutely true that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes, nor has ever come, nor will ever come to the Father except by me. That is absolutely true. And the context, yeah, I'll wait. And the context, as I told you, it reads like this in the Greek language. I alone, in counter distinction to all others, am the way. I alone in counter-distinction to all others, am the truth. I alone, in counter-distinction to all others, am the life. There's a real truth on this planet, and it's Jesus. And there are absolutes, and there are real rights, and there are real wrongs. And when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to make that plain and evident. Look at verse 13. He will not speak of his own authority. In other words, the Holy Spirit isn't going to say something different than God says. And God is not going to say something different than Jesus says. Are you listening? And Jesus isn't going to say something different than the Holy Spirit says. There's going to be a perfect unity and harmony in the Trinity. 
The spirit will not speak of his own. In other words, he won't seek to bring glory to himself. That the spirit will not act nor speak independently of the father and the son. And keep in mind, Jesus said, I'm leaving and sending another comforter. So this is important because they don't know anything about the Spirit. Saints, listen, remember, context, context, context. Remember, we're reading this chapter, and I have taught this chapter probably 10 times. You may have heard it preached 10 times, 20 times, I don't know. But keep in mind the disciples have never heard this. This is new to them. They have been with Jesus for three and a half years. Are you listening? They have been fellowshipping with Jesus and talking with Jesus and praying with Jesus and moving about with Jesus and doing ministry and miracles with Jesus. And now he's saying he's going away and he says, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And they're thinking, what's the Holy Spirit? Are you get me? See, we know because we've studied it, but to them, they're like, what's the Holy Spirit? What's a, what's a comforter? What's the spirit of truth? So Jesus is breaking it down for them and making it clear to them what the work of the Holy Spirit will do and how he will function and what will be their new relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now that Jesus is leaving, now they have to function differently with God because Jesus is leaving. Now they've got to function through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is making it clear that the Holy Spirit is going to work this way and he's going to work that way and, and, and nothing weird is going to be happening. Uh, the Spirit of God is going to work in you and, and through you. You know, in the church today, the Spirit of God gets blamed for a lot of weird stuff, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Do you know the, the two reasons why people don't come to church? And from time to time, I'll ask them. I don't generally tell people I'm a pastor. Because as soon as I tell them I'm a pastor, they're waiting for me to invite them to church. It's the truth. I, I don't even tell people I'm a pastor. And I, you know what? I can't even tell you. I can't really tell you I've ever invited one person to this church. I cannot tell you I've done that. I don't do it. And the reason I don't do it is because they expect me to do it. It's almost like that song when I did the hallelujah part. The first service, they expected me to do it. That's why I didn't do it. The second service, Junior knew I would do it because he said, I knew you would do it that second service because you didn't do it the first time. I didn't do it. <laughs> Third service, he said, he ain't going to do it because he didn't do it the first time. That's the service I did it. I keep, I've never invited anybody to church because I don't want people to think, oh, well, you know, you need to come to church. I'm the pastor. So I don't want to invite people to church. But the number two reasons why people don't come to church, number one, people don't come to church because they don't want to be beat up about money. That's the number one reason why people don't come to church. Because they know as soon as they come to church, somebody's going to ask them about money or they're going to take up an offering. And, and, and some of y'all know it. They might take up an offering, two, three, four. Some of y'all know, know what I'm talking about. I've been, you've been to those churches where they take up, you know, two, three offerings. They'll take up an offering in a heartbeat. Y'all know why I'm telling the truth. They'll take up an offering in a heartbeat, go in the back and count it, and come back out and say, y'all need to be ashamed of yourself. That offering was the sp 
despicable. You know, you know, you know, it's despicable when they say it's despicable. That often was horrible. You guys, oh, you can do better than that. I'm sensing, and they'll say something. You know, it's like it's all this. It's the same stuff. Somebody say amen. It's the same stuff. Y'all know when it's coming. Oh, well, I sense there's going to be 10 people in this room that's going to give $1,000. I feel the spirit of God. I feel the spirit of God. The Lord! And you know when you, when you go like, when you say the Lord, that means the Lord really got a hold of me on the inside and he pulled it out of me. The Lord! It's third service, y'all. Pray for me. I told you, no. The Lord told me there's 10 people that's going to give a thousand dollars. I'll never forget. God is my living witness. I remember my wife was in the last service. She said, that's right, Pastor. That's right, honey. You telling the truth. We were sitting in service. I sensed that there's going to be 10 people that's going to give a thousand dollars. I looked over at my wife. I said, I know he ain't talking to me. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. He, nah, the Lord ain't showed him that. I'm telling you right now, he's talking to the wrong man, the Lord and show. Matter of fact, I looked at my neighbor. I didn't even know this person sitting over here. I went, is he talking to you? You going to give a thousand dollars? Maybe you can give one for me because I'm... Th- he ain't talking to me. But there's so much weirdness that goes on in the church. And I mean, you know, I mean, I, mean, I remember this one time, my son. And you know, when you raise your children, my children have been raised in Calvary Chapel. My children from a baby, they've been raised in Calvary Chapel. So they've come through the children. And this is the value of raising your kids down in the children's ministry because they learn the word of God. And when you get in the car together, some of y'all parents know what I'm talking about. You could say, hey, what did you learn in children's church today? And they can tell you something concrete from the word of God that they learn. And then you and then you got family discussion. So my kids were brought up in Calvary Chapel. And so they're not used to this, the weirdness. They're not used to it. I'm used to it. I came from the Pentecostal, the, the black church. Amen. I came from the holiness church, church God in Christ. You know what I mean? Where you ain't, ain't no problem here. The Lord said, the Lord ain't got a hold of me. Moving through me. People that. So my kids are not used to that. They're not used to all that. So I know this one. My son went to a church one time. I can't even tell y'all what church was. My son went to a church one time, and they were they were going for it. I mean, they were they were going for it. dancing bears, flags, lights, cameras. You know, blues brother. Da, 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 da. People doing black backflips over there, <laughs> camera like that. And Rodney Rodney Jr. took a video of the service. <laughs> He said, my dad is not going to believe this. I got a video. So Rodney's sitting there. They, they going for it in the spirit. Rodney's doing like this here. <laughs> he came home. He came home. He said, dad, you are not going to believe this. You got to see this. But they're not used to all of that. The people don't want to come. You know, I think if anything, that's why this church people come to this church and they bring, and and I don't have to invite people because you know when you come to church, you're going to get worship, you're going to get sound teaching from the word of God, you will enjoy yourself, and then you can go home. There will be no weirdness. There will be no weirdness. Every now and then you feel the spirit, don't get me wrong, ain't got nothing wrong with emotion. There's nothing wrong with emotion. 
Because sometimes when the Spirit of God touches you, you cry. Sometimes when the Spirit of God touches you, you just kind of raise that hand up, right? I got that emotion. Every now and then the Spirit of God touches you, you might jump up. That's all right. Don't jump too much. We might have to take you out of here. <laughs> all right, we would drag you by your heels. You got to go. <laughs> Uh, we don't do that up in here, up in here. But, but every now and then, emotion, there's no problem with emotion. What I'm talking to you about is emotionalism. That's where you start to worship your emotions. And everything you feel and everything that you, you, you respond to everything and everything becomes this big outward demonstrative display of people say to me, well, how come there's no speaking in tongues at Calvary Chapel? They're speaking in tongues in this sanctuary all the time. All the time. Now, just because they don't stand up in the back of the room, the first and second didn't get all this. So y'all need to be blessed. Y'all came to third. Did y'all bring a lunch? We're going to be here for a minute. All right. There's people speaking in tongues all the time. Now, just because they don't get up and stand up in the back and make a big show and everybody go, oh, they're really spiritual. And they go, oh, get it all. Just because none of that happens and people don't go, ooh, look how spiritual they are. Doesn't mean that people are not speaking in tongues. There are people who are exercising their gift of tongue, but, but the gift is subject to the prophet. That's why we're going to do a study on the Holy Spirit, because we need to get a hold of this thing. The gift is subject to the prophet. You can keep your volume down. Whoever said that you have to be a lot of volume to use your gift? They're speaking in tongues here all the time. People don't come to church because of money. And people don't come to church because they think that there's something weird that happens. And honestly, i got to be honest. When I was a baby Christian, I, 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 was, I was right there with it. I remember one time I, I, I had become a Christian. And 10 days later, I was sent to Okinawa, Japan with my unit. And that Sunday morning, because I remember I was a Christian, and, I, and, and a week later, pretty much, uh, what I learned to pastor is you need to go to church. So we're 10 days later, we're in Okinawa, Japan. And if you've been to Okinawa, Japan, you know Camp Johnson. And that morning, that Sunday morning, they had base chapel or whatever. That happened at 6 o'clock at night. I don't know. But I went, I said, I'm going to get up and go to church. I got up and got on a bus in a country. I did not know where I was, nor could I speak their language. I got on the bus, I sat down, and I prayed. God is my living witness. I prayed. I said, Lord, take me to a church. I want to go to church this morning. Lord, find me a church. I sat on that bus and just sat there and sat there for about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. All of a sudden, I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, get off the bus. They pulled up to the thing. I got off the bus. I ran into this one guy, and I said to him, hey, is there a church around here anywhere, any, any church, any around, around here, any church? He goes, oh, yeah, if you just go right down to there, that corner and make a right right there, there's a church right there. And then you know that's the Holy Spirit led me right to the, I was like, I was 100 feet away from the church. I walk into church, and it was a Pentecostal church. I was shocked. It was a Pentecostal church. I was shocked. They were, they were going for it. They were in it. I was shocked. I was, uh, you know, Japanese. I'm in a Japanese country. I thought they'd be in there, you know, watashi wa. Tukushi. No, they were, they were jumping around in the pews, jumping over the pews. And when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. 
So I thought, well, you know what? They jumping around. I'm going to jump around. Now I took my jacket off. I was like, hey, 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 man. Woo, praise the Lord. I'm running around the church and carrying on, and they carrying on too. And I had a good old time. And when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. But then there comes a time because the Bible says that everything should be done decent and what? In order. There comes a time where you need to get off the milk and start digesting the meat of the word of God and start growing in the things of God and allowing the spirit of God to teach you and lead you and guide you into this all truth. So you get past all of that initial reactionary type emotionalism when it comes to the spirit to the point where it's time for some me. Some of y'all are here even now today because you've been in places where you, it was just milk. And for the last five years, you've been getting milk. And now you look back on your life and you think, you know what? I am no stronger this year than I was five years ago. I don't know the word this year any more than I did five years ago because I've been drinking milk. The Bible says desire as newborn babes desire to send to your milk of the word of God that you might grow thereby. But then you need to get off of those rudimentary elements and begin to digest the meat of the word of God. And this is what the spirit of God has come to lead us and to teach us um, all things that Jesus said. We'll come back to this more when we get back to the, to uh, our study in the Holy Spirit. But I want you to look at verse 14. Jesus said, when the spirit does come, he's going to glorify me. Don't y'all understand? Let me say this quick. The spirit's job is to glorify Jesus, not himself. When you leave a church and if you hear people saying, oh, didn't this happen to me for years? Oh, did you feel the spirit? Oh, the spirit of God. Oh, it was all over me. Oh, up my neck. Oh, the spirit. Oh, the spirit. What y'all learn in church? I don't know, but the spirit of God was just all over me. Listen, when you start hearing that kind of language, run, Forrest, run. Okay, because the job of the Holy Spirit is to cause you to worship Jesus. The job of the Holy Spirit is to cause you to say Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. The job of the Holy Spirit is to point you to Jesus. Jesus said when the Spirit comes, he's going to glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it unto you. Chapter 16, we got to move forward. Look at verse 16 a little while. Verse 16, you looking at it? Say I'm looking at it. A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. And then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me? And, and again, a little while and you'll see me. And because I go to the Father, they said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he's saying. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves what I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be, somebody help me, turn to joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. 
therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So listen, let's make this simple. Jesus uses the phrase a little while and you'll not see me a little while and you'll see me. We need to understand, listen, a little while to Jesus is different than a little while to us. When we think of a little while, we think of 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes tops. Yes. To Jesus, a little while could be 10, 15, 30, 2,000 years tops. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.